0: You can meet and hear Mark and Molly Hemingway, Robert George, Albert Moeller, Brian Wolfmiller, Hans Feeney, and Will Whedon at the 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 12th and Saturday, June 13th in Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. The 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, June 12th and 13th at Concordia University, Chicago. The allegations made in the articles of impeachment are very serious. As a senator juror, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice. I am profoundly religious. My faith is at the heart of who I am. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. I was not wrong. That's Utah Senator Mitt Romney speaking yesterday about his reasons for voting to convict President Donald Trump on the first article of impeachment. He is, of course. A Mormon, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's the faith he is talking about there. Some have made a connection here from dot to dot. In particular, the Los Angeles Times has the headline, Was Mitt Romney's Vote the Fulfillment of a Mormon Prophecy? They're speaking there about a prophecy allegedly made by Joseph Smith, Mormonism's founder, called the White Horse Prophecy. Greetings and welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Thursday afternoon, the 6th of February. Bill McKeever of Mormonism Research Ministry joins us to talk about Senator Mitt Romney and Joseph Smith's White Horse Prophecy. A little later, we'll view the movie Jojo Rabbit with Pastor Ted Geese. Then we're going to go through a listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. That email address, talkback at talkbackatissuesctc.org and the comment line 618-223-8382. Joining us to talk about Senator Mitt Romney and Joseph Smith's White Horse Prophecy, Bill McKeever, founder of Mormonism Research Ministry, based in Draper, Utah, author of several books, including In Their Own Words, A Collection of Mormon Quotations, and Mormonism 101. Bill, welcome back.
1: Hey, good to be with you.
0: What was the White Horse Prophecy of Mormonism's founder, Joseph Smith?
1: Well, it's... Controversial, mainly because its pedigree goes back to two Latter-day Saints, a guy by the name of Edwin Rushton and another one by the name of Theodore Turley. These two gentlemen said that they personally heard Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, give this alleged prediction, but it was at his home, and the date for it was around, they say, May 6th, 1843, so it's about a year before Joseph Smith is killed at Carthage Jail. One of the reasons why I think it is very controversial, naturally, within Mormon circles is because If you read the prophecy, as it's been handed down over the years, it contains a lot of information that just seems a a bit outrageous, Uh, you know, such uh, as there's going to be a revolution in the United States, and that's going to leave the country without a supreme government, and you're going to have to find peace in the Rocky Mountains and things like that. And because there's a lot of things that clearly, I think, most Mormons would even find trouble with, they tend to distance themselves from it. And because it wasn't given in a public setting, also, I think, gives a lot of Latter-day Saints a perhaps a legitimate excuse to excuse it, because it was never presented before the membership. In fact, at the time, hardly any of the members even knew that Joseph Smith said this. But Having said all that, a lot of leaders in the Church and a lot of Latter-day Saints have referred to phrases in the prophecy, which shows me that it's still somewhat alive and well. Now, when it comes to Mitt Romney's recent decision... That becomes even more questionable, because one, Mitt Romney went on record, I think it was back in 2007, where he claimed that he didn't place a lot of credence in the prophecy. So I don't think Mitt Romney would be looking at himself as being a fulfillment of it if he doesn't really believe it's a legitimate statement made by his prophet. You also have a problem with the fact that Mike Lee who is also a fellow Mormon and a senator from Utah, who voted just the opposite of Mitt Romney. So which one's voting for God and which one isn't now becomes the spiritual question of the day. And of course, naturally, it's your politics that is going to guide how you view Mitt Romney's decision. If you're a Latter-day Saint that, of course, was looking forward to seeing the president, you know, removed from office, they're going to see Mitt Romney's decision as being in their view helpful and maybe perhaps a partial fulfillment if you're not of that view naturally you're going to see Mitt romney actually violating what the white horse prophecy is supposed to be predicting.
0: what was the content of, of the prophecy what did let's say for the sake of argument what did joseph smith predict
1: Oh, it's a pretty long prophecy. I don't have the whole thing up in front of me, but it does make a statement in it that has been used by several leaders, as I said. Well, let me give you an example. It was in 1855 when Brigham Young made the comment that the Constitution of the United States is going to hang, as it were, upon a single thread, and that they will have to call for the Mormon elders to save it from utter destruction, and they will step forth and do it now that can be found in the journal of discourses volume two page 182 that phrase the constitution hanging by a thread is found in the white horse prophecy that is the statement that i have found is probably most often quoted from it and there are many latter-day saints as you can imagine who do believe that there could be some legitimacy at least in that phrase that if our government starts to go in the wrong direction, that a Mormon, whoever it may be, could be part of the fulfillment of that part of the prophecy. Now, you run into some problems with this if you're a Latter-day Saint, because you can't just pick and choose certain parts of it and claim that to be legitimate and the other parts not to be legitimate. If Joseph Smith made these statements, you would think you would have to take it as a whole document, and not just pick out what you like and reject what you don't like. And so that's where the controversy lies. So you have a lot of Mormons that are just playing, they don't want to have anything to do with it. Joseph F. Smith, the sixth president of the Church, he had some very harsh criticisms of it. But then you have other guys like Ezra Taft Benson that did seem to quote from it. And I don't think Benson himself would have gone with everything that was in that particular document or statement, but he certainly seemed to pick and choose what he liked from it.
0: Many are not aware that Joseph Smith actually ran for president of the United States. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, he did. Just before he was killed, he announced his presidency, and naturally he was probably expecting to get a lot of votes from his followers, and that's to be expected if they look to him as being a prophet. Uh, of course, that never happened because he was killed at Carthage Jail on June twenty seventh, 1844. But I'm sure he was hoping, if he could gain such a position, to use it to further the cause of his church. But we'll never know because it never happened.
0: What were his aspirations there? I mean, it takes, even back then it took an ego, or at least a plan, to (laughs) run for the President of the United States.
1: Yeah, I don't think Joseph Smith was lacking in ego. There are statements that we have from him that shows that he probably did have a pretty big ego. And, of course, you're right. to, To run for something like the President of the United States, you would think that would have to be an element in your personality that would help you get to that position. But I think Joseph Smith really felt that God had ordained him to what, eventually bring the United States into some kind of theocracy? Yeah, yeah. There, You know, there are statements to that effect. The chances of that happening are, are pretty slim to none.
0: So it does highlight, however, the relationship of early Mormonism to the destiny of this nation. They believed certain things about the United States, or at least about this continent, mm-hmm. that would have made it kind of a special place for God. Talk about that.
1: Well, yeah, they they certainly do. And if you read the Book of Mormon, of course, it was always understood in the early years, especially, that this had something to say about the beginnings of our nation. They looked at the United States as having a special place in the plan of God. And you don't hear that so much anymore among Latter-day Saints, but I think certainly in the beginning years, they certainly were kind of led to that conclusion, because Smith did kind of hint to that kind of thing happening. And this white horse prophecy, you can understand, even though most modern Mormons would want to look at it as nothing but mere folklore, you could see why something like that, could bolster that kind of position, because they really felt that God had ordained their church to not only to be a, a religious power, but also a political power also. Now, Mormons looking back in history could probably roll their eyes and say, oh, I don't want to go along with that, but you've know, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the 19th century Mormon and examine it from that point of view. Maybe some of those Latter-day Saints would change their mind, but certainly the LDS Church in the 19th century kind of guided the thinking of Latter-day Saints in not only the spiritual realm, but in the secular as well. There's plenty of evidence to show that.
0: Were there political ambitions at work in Joseph Smith's leadership of the LDS Church? He kind of gets chased from here to there, and they eventually end up in Salt Lake City, but was he attempting, in in a sense, to kind of found another nation?
1: Well, I think there's some evidence that some people could point to to say that that 's true, but i 'm sure Joseph Smith did have political ambitions. He was the mayor of Nauvoo before he was killed, so certainly he had ambitions now being the mayor of a city in Illinois, which of course at that time you some have said it even rivaled the city of Chicago in population because there were so many latter day saints that were going to Nauvoo. But you might say, well, that was kind of a small job. Well, who knows? We've had other people who have been mayors that have ambitions to become president. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not like that's impossible. But I certainly do think Joseph Smith did have political ambitions, and I think that proves it.
0: How do current-day Mormons look back on that time when it was not only a religious movement but an overtly political movement? How do they look back on
1: it? Well, that's a great question. I would imagine it's probably very mixed. I think a lot of people who are in the LDS Church that are learning more and more about Joseph Smith's behavior during that time period, and the Church being forced to be much more open and transparent about Joseph Smith's behavior and the things that he was teaching back then, have caused many Latter-day Saints to pause because they see in joseph smith an individual that doesn't seem to fit the model of what they've always expected from a prophet of god i'll give you a good example they've come out with a new history book called saints and this came out in two thousand and eighteen And as we go through this book, we've been reviewing it on our radio show, and one thing I'm noticing in this book, and I mentioned quite a bit, is this book is much more open to show Joseph Smith not only as a flawed human being, but actually making a lot of very bad decisions, which... if you think he was really being led by God. Why is he doing things like this? He's not certainly listening to God, if if he is. But I think a person reading that history book would probably not be drawn to the Mormon Church. I think they would probably be repelled, because Joseph Smith doesn't really come across as what most Mormons, I think, at least envisioned in their leader back in the 19th century.
0: What is behind this move to give a more honest accounting of Mormonism sound?
1: I think they're forced to. I really do. I think they're forced to. The Internet, they've admitted, is causing them a lot of difficulty because they just can't ignore the information that's out there right now. And even though they've made a lot of very negative statements about the Internet and telling their members that they shouldn't read a lot of the things that are said about the Church— because they, of course, argue it's not true. The fact is that information is out there for the Mormon themselves to check it out to see if it's valid or just folklore. And they've had to come clean on a lot of this. They just can no longer, in fact, one leader actually said this, we can no longer just tell our people, just pray about it, and it'll go away. They know they have to deal with this. And they have also found that if the Church kind of heads off the bad news at the proverbial path, the chances of the member going along with it or at least allowing that to be the good answer for them, that will keep them at least loyal to the Church. Whereas if they find out about this information from outside sources, it tends to tell the member their Church is hiding something from them. And that has a much more negative consequence. So I think the Church is doing... I wouldn't say as best as they possibly can, but they're doing much better than they have in the past to be a bit more honest about Joseph Smith and the things that he did. Because one of the things that this new history book covers, it certainly does cover his polygamy. It covers his, his relationship with a teenage girl in the 1830s by the name of Fanny Alger. It talks openly about the failure of the Kirtland Bank, things that you would think a prophet of God would have stayed away from.
0: In his recent statement, Senator Romney not only talked about his vote, but he talked about the motivation behind his vote, and I think he called himself deeply religious or something to that effect, and how central his religion is to him. How did you understand those words?
1: Well, I I think what he was trying to imply is he searched his heart, okay? This is what we hear a lot of Latter-day Saints will say. And probably he would say, well, it's through a lot of prayer, maybe. Uh, I don't think he mentions that word in that statement. But I think we have to put it in its context. A lot of Latter-day Saints, they're a very praying people. I get that. They're a very sincere people. But let's not set aside the fact that a lot of Latter-day Saints feel in their heart that, for instance, Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, the Book of Mormon, is ancient scripture, and the LDS Church today is the only true church on the earth. Now, the evidence for us on the outside would certainly not go in that direction, but many Latter-day Saints put a lot of credence on their personal feelings, their subjective feelings. And so my comment on that would be, well, it's the same heart that Romney has to vote the way he did that also causes him to look at Joseph Smith as being a prophet of God. That's going to always be controversial because you have people looking at this from different worldviews. I mean, even when it comes to the voting on Article I to convict the president, that is looked by many other people as being the wrong decision. Depending on their worldview, politics gets into this, and this is why I think we need to be very cautious in judging people, perhaps, and even in the decision-making process that a lot of people make. I'm sure Mike Lee would say that he felt that Romney made the wrong decision because Mike Lee would say he went by the evidence. Now, Romney says he also went by evidence. Now, it wasn't evidence that was actually produced by the House. It was outside of that. I think Mike Lee might have a problem with that because of it, because that's just not the way you're supposed to do it in an impeachment uh, proceeding. But see, therein lies the controversy. It's kind of like it starts off with your worldview, and that's kind of how you're going to go.
0: Finally, do you have any sense of how the Mormons at home will react to Mitt Romney's decision and his citing of his religious devotion in making that decision.
1: Well, yeah, and I'm already reading about it. I mean, there's already been comments and things said on the radio, and of course you have people, and again, here comes the world view, you have people who are in favor of what the president is doing, and they see what the House did as being wrong, and of course they think that Mitt Romney made a very bad mistake. And then you have others who don't like the president who look at Mitt Romney as being a hero because he went against the grain. And that's to be expected. That's the way American politics works. But I think in the state of Utah, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last poll showed that, what, about 68% of Utahns are in favor of what the president's been doing. So you can see why Romney's, as he even said, he's going to probably feel pretty lonely after that decision.
0: Bill McKeever is founder of Mormonism Research Ministry based in Draper, Utah. He's author of several books, including In Their Own Words, A Collection of Mormon Quotations and Mormonism 101. You'll find a link to Bill's books and to Mormonism Research Ministry at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Thanks, Bill. My pleasure. Next, we will review the movie Jojo Rabbit. It is a comedy. It satires Nazism. We'll see how it does with Patch Ted Geese. The Simply Classical Curriculum for Special Needs moves at my child's pace and gives her exactly what she needs. So writes Amber, a homeschooling mother who has joined thousands in homes and schools teaching from this uniquely Christian classical approach to special education. Teach students with autism, learning disabilities, or Down syndrome based on ability level rather than chronological age. Use promo code LPR20 today at classicalspecialneeds.com classicalspecialneeds.com would you like to help a college or seminary student attend the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference? You can purchase a conference scholarship for a contribution of $135 to Issues Etc. You can donate online at issuesetc.org slash scholarship, or you can make a $135 check payable to Issues Etc., write scholarship in the memo line, and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234.
1: Defending the Faith... Teaching the truth. You're listening to Issues, etc. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Ad Crusum has crafted a series of posters to put what we believe, teach, and confess on display. See our Luther's Daily Prayers, the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Liturgical Calendar, John 1 in Latin, and coming soon, the Athanasian Creed. Visit adcrucem dot com. That's a d c r u c e dot com. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Epiphany season at LutheranPublicRadio dot org. Sacred music for the Epiphany season, 24-7. LutheranPublicRadio.org